Good evening. Probably one of the most challenging aspects of loving people and, and being genuinely compassionate and caring is the fact that often we, we see a lot of the, the negativity, we see a lot of the qualities that may be disappointing to us, that may be irritating, annoying, and the idea of having an eye in tov, having a good eye, and finding the good, seeing the good within each other, within ourselves, is something that it, it needs development. We have to cultivate it. It does not come naturally, but it can be literally the difference between living a life of love and joy and connection in contrast to a life of constant bitterness, having tainas and complaints. Whenever we see the Ra too often, we're not happy people. When the majority of our conversations with each other is about all of the, the problems and the issues with the uh, people I work with, with siblings, parents, obviously those conversations need to happen within the confines of Lashon Hora, obviously being very sensitive. But when we find that the majority of our energy is spent on the Ra, the negative, we're not happy people, we're not living with that sense of love and Simcha Sechayim. When Avram Avinu was told by his wife that he needs to send away Hagar and Yishmael, he was very distressed. Sarah saw that Yishmael was Mitzachik. And Rashi, quoting from the Medrash, explains Mitzachik means he was involved with, with pretty bad stuff. According to one opinion, it was murder, perhaps it was idolatry, immoral relationships. He was, he was very, very off the derech in a severe way. He was poisonous to Yitzchak. And therefore, V'tomer l'Avram, Goresh ha'omahazos Send away Hagar and her son. V'yeira ha'dover mo'od be'ene Avram al'odos b'no. Literally, V'yeira means that it was ra. It was evil in the eyes of Avraham regarding his son. Nonetheless, Vayomer Elohim el Avraham, al yevra beinecha al anar v'al masecha. Hashem communicates with Avraham and he says, don't view this in a negative way regarding sending away Hagar and your son, Yishmael. Rather listen to Sarah, ki b'yitzchak yikari l'cha Through Yitzchak you will have descendants but not through Yishmael. Shama Bekola, listen to her voice, Rashi points out. This is an indication to us that she had a greater clarity of prophecy than her husband. So Hashem was telling Avraham, although this seems ra to you, listen to your wife, she knows what she's talking about. She has a deeper insight into this. 
Question though is, why was it Ra? If the Torah would have said it was difficult, it was heartbreaking for Avraham to do this, we would understand that description. Ra means it was bad. That's a judgment. It sounds like when Avram first hears that he needs to send away Yishmael, he disagreed with that. He felt Sarah was wrong. How in the world could he think that? Maybe he didn't see what Yishmael was doing, what he was up to. I'm sure Avraham was very busy being Makari of the world, but we also assume he had time for his family. And even if he didn't see firsthand, his wife is explaining to him this is what Yishmael is up to. This is why I feel we need to send him away. So after hearing that from his wife, why in the world would it be Ra Be'enot? Why would he view it as an evil or wrong decision? Rashi has one explanation where he says, it wasn't the decision to send him away that was Ra in the eyes of Avraham, but rather it was learning about the fact that his son was actually so, so involved with these very unhealthy things, that was Ra Be'enot. However, the Medrash has a different interpretation. The Medrash says, we understand Avraham's response based on a Pasuk in Yeshaya. Otsim Einav Meiros Berah. Yeshaya Hanavi is praising one who closes his eyes from seeing evil. I'm proactive in not seeing Ra. So the Yifei Torah, who's one of the great commentators on the Medrash Rabbah, one of the earliest we have, this goes back to the 1500s, he explains what the Medrash Rabbah is saying, and I think within the words of the Yifei Torah, we'll get a deeper insight into what actually was going through the mind of Avram Avinu and why it was Ra, why it was evil in his perception. Explains the Yifei Torah. Otsim Einav Meiros Bero. One is praised for closing his eyes, avoiding to see evil. Lo libo in yone yishmol. Avraham, I want to translate the words literally. Avraham did not bring to his heart what was happening with Yishmol. Lach showed oso to suspect him. Livdok Acharov and to pursue and to investigate exactly what's going on. Why was he out to lunch? Was he not in tune? Was he too busy with more important things than to look at his son? Of course not. Rather, explains the Yafetoar, Hayemachzik Oso Kosher Kamohu. He assumed his son Yishmal was kosher, was an upstanding person, Kamohu, just like himself. And therefore, when his wife said, we have to send him away, and she revealed to him the riches, the evil of his behavior, he didn't believe what she was saying. And he was upset. How can you just paskin immediately and tell me we have to send them away? It needs more Yishuv Hadas. There has to be conversation, deliberation, 
But how could you just say we have to send them away? Comes along Hashem, tells Avram, listen to your wife. She knows what she's talking about. There's one word in this Yifei Torah that jumps out of the page. And I think he's explaining on some level, psychologically, why Avram assumed Yishmal was kosher. The word is kamohu. Machzik oso kosher kamohu. He assumed he was kosher just like himself. Meaning to say, Avraham was not distracted. He was not too involved with more important things. He had a very rich and meaningful relationship with every member of his family. His assumption though, his hargosha, his feeling towards Yishmael is that you're a good kid. Because naturally, when I'm that kind of person, when I'm Ehrlich, when I'm honest, when there's a special gentleness of the soul, I assume that other people are along the same wavelength. It doesn't mean that I'm naive, but ultimately, my judgment of any single person on this planet is my judgment. And the way I perceive any person is through my filter. If I'm an ish kosher, if I'm someone I don't manipulate, I don't play games, I don't exploit. So then there's some level of, of, of understanding. My perception of you is you're, you're similar. That's why it was so incredibly difficult for Avram to hear what Sarah was telling him. It was so difficult for him to believe that Yishmael wasn't the son he thought he was. Now what does it mean he didn't look after, he didn't investigate into Yishmael? Why didn't he look after him? It wasn't because he didn't care. It's because Otsim Einav, Meiros Bera. This is describing the quality of Avraham Avinu that he saw the tov, he saw the good in every human being, he wasn't looking for the ra. In this particular case, he needed his wife, who was greater than him in her prophecy, to explain that unfortunately, we can't have him here in the house. But because of, of the, the, the natural personality of who he was and how he would see the world, he wasn't looking for negativity. He was almost attracted and obsessed with the positive within every human being. And likely, that's why he was so incredibly successful in inspiring and changing the entire world. The Rambam tells us that Avram was able to be Makarev tens of thousands of human beings living in ancient barbaric times and to bring them tachas into the light and the truth of Hashem Echad. Because he believed in every single human being. He saw their capacity, he saw their potential. Another component, which we have to assume was part of Avram's perception of Yishmael, was the natural love that he had as a father to a son. The Pasuk in Shir Hashirim tells us, Mayim Rabim lo yuchlu asa'ava. Vast floods cannot extinguish the love. 
Naros lo yishtafuha. Raging rivers cannot cover it. So the analogy here in Shir Hashirim is that the love is fire. That's an Eishava. And it's so strong. It's so powerful. You could have all of the raging waters in the world. It's not going to extinguish my fire of love for you, HaKadosh Baruch Hu. This is obviously in reference the love that we, B'nai Yisrael, have for Hashem. But it's also true between human beings. When there's such a powerful love, it almost makes it impossible to pick up on the negativity. I have to be looking for it. And if my personality is such, where I myself am an ish kosher, it makes it that much more difficult because I'm not looking for it. I'm looking and I'm attracted naturally to the good and everybody around me. When we look for the good in others, there's something magical that happens. I want to share that magic with you tonight. This is a fundamental piece from Rav Nachman Mibreslov. This is a piece that even those who are not intimately familiar with all of the teachings and the Torahs of Rav Nachman Mibreslov, this is one that stands out. It's in Reish Pei Beis, where he speaks about the idea of being dan l'chafschos, of judging somebody favorably. And generally we assume that means if you see somebody doing something and you're not sure, was it inappropriate, was it okay, and generally he's a good guy, you have to assume that what he did was probably okay. And that's true, halacha, but there's something much deeper as well. Right through Nachmami Breslov, Before we see the actual piece, there's a paragraph here that gives us a little background, telling us that Rabbeinu Zichron Levrocha, Rav Nachman Mibraslov himself, would caution his Talmidim, his Chasidim, Leilich im HaTorah Hazos, to have this particular teaching with you. Put it in your pocket, hold on to it. Kihu Yesod Godo Lechol Misharotze Liskarev Lashem Yisborach. If you're in the category of one of those people that want to come closer to God, this teaching will be crucial for you. Hopefully we're all in that category. Because the majority of people who feel that they are distant from Hashem, that separation they feel comes from a sense of depression, comes from a feeling of of hopelessness. Machma shenoflim badaitam because they've fallen. They've fallen at least in their own perception. Veruban meyashmin atzan lagabre, and then many of them, many people who feel disconnected, will reach a state of yush, of despair, and that's when we stop trying. And that's the most tragic thing that could ever happen to a human being, is when we stop fighting for our closeness with the Kaddish Baruch and he writes, once we get to a point of some level of despair, we don't even continue doing those things we can and should be doing. I'll give you an example. It's often, often the case of someone struggling with any area of religion. That will impact their shalom bias as well. 
and I've had numerous conversations with people throughout the years trying to categorize where are the nisyonos, where are my challenges? And maybe it's true right now in this area, in this compartment of life and philosophy, I'm struggling. But that doesn't have to impact my relationship with my wife or my connection with my children. But naturally it does. Because when we're no flim, when we're fallen in our own perception, then it just leads to a sense of despair. And even those things we could do, and we believe in, and we know this is true, I understand this is my role, this is my responsibility, why can't I just live up to it? Because I've given up on myself. So says Rav Nachman Breslov, this particular teaching is something you want to carry with you everywhere you go. And what he does here in this piece is he elaborates on the Pasuk we say in Pesukah de Zimra, Ahala Hashem Machayai, I will praise Hashem with my life. Azamra lelokai ba'odi. And I will sing to my God ba'odi. Different ways of translating that according to some it means as long as I'm still here. Kolzman shonasham bekirbi. As long as I'm alive and conscious. Azamra lelokai ba'odi. Others interpret odi meaning with all of my energy. Right? Not in a passive way, but tapping into all of my kochos, Parenthetically, as we're thinking for a good Pusik to have in the parochis, this, I think, would be in the top three. Just putting it out there. For further discussion, right? It's not a common Pusik to have in a parochis, but it could be inspiring. Something to think about. So it explains with Nachmi Breslov. Da! We have to try to judge people favorably, but the way he interprets this is as follows. Even someone. I have to see him every day. I have to interact with him. And I really believe he's just not a well person. He's not a good person. One thing the world has seen over these last three weeks is that yes, there's something called good and there's something called evil. There is good and evil in this world. And if you have to interact with someone who's categorized as a Russia, nonetheless, right, obviously we're not talking about extreme cases of people trying to kill you. Let's leave the extreme out and talk about, you know, hopefully normal everyday interactions. Says Rav Nachman Breslev, Tzarech lechapes velimso bo ezem ma'atov. The requirement of being dan lechafschos is not to pretend that really he or she is better than I think they are, but to actually search for a nakuda, to search for a kernel of good within that person. And then he says something incredible. This is the magic. Through you looking for that good in somebody else, that's not just between you and God, but you're actually having an impact on that person, moving them closer to schus, moving them closer to transformation. Your perception of another human being can actually assist them in doing tshuva and coming closer to a Kaddish Baruch Hu. 
And therefore, The requirement of Dan Lechavs is, I have to find something good. I have to find an akuda, I have to find an angle where, you know what, I disagree with so much of what you stand for. And I'll let you know that we've had open arguments and I've tried in the past and there's so much here, there's so much conflict, there's so much tension, but with all of this in Kolzeh, I'm obligated to look for that nakuda, that element of tov. Then he goes on to say regarding ourselves. The same thing is true when it comes to our perception of ourselves. Obviously a common theme within the writings of Nachman and Breslov. The goal is that we should be besimcha. And besimcha doesn't mean I have to walk around with a smile on my face, but I should be content, satisfied. And I should strive to relieve myself of some of those feelings of depression, of worry. However, explains of Nachman, the only way to have any level of simcha sachayim, to feel content, is by recognizing that there's such good within me. And just like I have to search for that good within you, I'm obligated to search for that good within me. And even if I have a hard time finding it, and I am down on myself, and even the good that I could point to, I see it's not pure, there are different reasons why I do it, my motivations are not necessarily fully genuine. Nonetheless, im Trust me, you're going to find some pure good. You have to keep on looking within. He concludes by saying, when we focus on the good and we appreciate, we appreciate the tov within us, we are actually infusing ourselves with life and vitality. Any connection to joy in life has to be related to a feeling of, I am worth something. I'm not a failure. And every element that I find within myself that I could point to and say, you know what? I'm proud of this. I feel good that I went out of my way for somebody else. I understand that there's a lot I could be doing better, I should be doing better, but I also see clearly what I'm doing, which is so incredibly beautiful. And rejoicing within every nakuda, every element of good that I find within me. And just like when I have that, that curiosity and that, that, that sense of exploring the good within you, that itself can bring you closer to tshuva. When I explore the good within me, that brings me closer to tshuva. And he says, this is what the Pasig is referring to. Ahala Hashem b'chaye. I praise Hashem with my life. Azamra lelokai ba'odi. And I sing to Hashem ba'odi. What does that mean? Says Rav Nachman Breslov. Ba'odi is with the ode that's still within me. No matter how I view myself, there's always ba'odi that's still there. 
And with that, I'm able to rejuvenate, to bring a sense of chiyus, of vitality, to tap into a real simcha sechayim. And then I can sing to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. There was a fellow, Larry, Larry Levin, back in the 1970s. He had a small apartment in Brooklyn. And he went to yeshiva when he was in elementary school and things didn't work out. Parents, Rebbeim. And eventually, he really left the Judaism behind. And he embraced somewhat of the, uh, the hippie culture. And that was his dress, that was his, his uh, connection to society, it was through that chevra, he had a long ponytail, he walked the walk and he definitely, uh, he played the part well. For some reason, he was never super successful in business and uh, never kept down a job. So he found himself looking in the classified section, seeing what might be out there. Uh, he sees, it reads, wanted janitor to clean yeshiva study hall and building good pay. So good pay spoke to him. I, mean, I don't mind being a janitor, I'll give it a shot. He calls up the number in the newspaper and it turns out it's the yeshiva Shar Yoshev. So he makes an appointment and uh, he finds himself standing in front of this massive, beautiful yeshiva. He walks into the office assuming that he's going to meet with some kind of executive director. It ends up that he actually meets with Shlomo Freifeld himself, the Rosh Yeshiva, right, the founder and the creator of Shar Yoshev. They begin schmoozing, and Freifeld asks him the question, Larry, what's your background? Do you understand where we are right now? Yeah, no, I know this is yeshiva. I went to a yeshiva when I was younger for a few years. And for some reason, Larry was compelled, just based on the compassion oozing out of uh, Rabbi Freifeld, to share his story. And he went into all the gory details and where he was and what he's been through, trying to find himself. After the conversation, Larry's thinking to himself, what am I doing? I probably just lost whatever opportunity I had. Right? That's the problem with me. I'm too brutally honest sometimes. Riff Reifeld said, do you want a job? And he was surprised to hear her. He said, yeah, I would be excited and ready to go. So the job we have available is actually a Rebbe position. You'd be teaching to, uh, Gemara, but I think it'd be perfect for the job. And he was speechless. He's looking at this Rosh Hashiva, long white beard. He said, I, I, I'm not sure you understand. I, I'm not religious. I haven't learned Gemara in 15, 20 years. I'm applying for the janitorial position. And Rafaifeld said, it's very simple. Right now, this is the one job that we have open. If you'd like to take it, it's yours. We have to start Wednesday. Are you in or not? And thinking to himself that he really had no other option, he said, yeah, and he agreed. Rabbi Feinfeld asked him, have you ever learned Bab The first parak of Bab And it sounded familiar. He remembered something about two guys holding on to a talis, but not much more than that. He said, here's the thing. We have three young men in the yeshiva who have longer hair than you do. And I think you would be a perfect rabbi for them. You could relate to them, and you could inspire them. 
but I don't, I don't wear a yarmulke or tzitzis. How am I supposed to be a Rebbe in a yeshiva and, and teach them Torah if I don't even like look the part? And Freifeld said back, so you should look the part. Right? You don't want to feel awkward. Go get yourself a yarmulke, get yourself some tzitzis, come in on Wednesday morning. So Larry agreed, and he did. And the way that he tells over the story is that that first day was, it was so strange, such a mixed um, array of emotion, being nervous, feeling that he wasn't worthy for that position, who am I to pretend that I could be a Rebbe and teach Gemara, I don't know the Gemara myself, but as he began teaching and he developed a relationship with these other young men, he started really enjoying it. And Baruch Hashem, he himself was more inspired. Fast forward 40-something years, no longer Larry, Levi. Rabbi Levi Levine is a very popular Rebbe in Eretz Yisrael, married to Chani with nine children, and an impressive Marbitz Torah, someone who's spreading the Devar Hashem to hundreds of disciples. What changed Larry's life? The fact that you had someone who believed in you. Freifeld saw the Nekudah HaSatov. He saw there was good here. There's potential. He had to look deep sometimes, but that could change a person. That could change a person psychologically, and we know now from Anachem Ibraslav, that could change a person on a mystical level. By you believing in me, even if I don't know how much you believe in me, even if I don't know what's going through your head, and for all I know, I might think you're looking at me and, and judging me, but really you're finding that Nakuda Satov. Your perception of me finding that good can bring me closer to tshuva. Finding the good within myself can bring me closer to tshuva. I want to end with an incredible letter. This is a letter that was written in 1908 by Rav Kook, Zecher Tzadik and he wrote this letter in response to a friend of his who was having a very difficult time with his son. He was getting very inspired by the Haskalah, by early Zionism that was not at all religious. And Rav Kook writes back as follows. This is the bottom of page three. Semachti liros li I was so glad to see your letter. As good friends, we share our lives with each other. But I also was pained by the pain that you're going through with your son. I feel your tsar, and I want to give you some etza. I want to share with you a suggestion. If you were to assume, like many unfortunately do, writes Rav Kook, that if you have a child that has deviated from the derech of Torah and Amuna, based on Zerem Hazman Hasower, on the, the storm of the time, what can you do? They're doing your thing, you're doing your thing. That's it. If you take that approach, I'm telling you unequivocally, this is not what HaKadosh Baruch Hu wants. Don't ever convince yourself that just because your child is presently 
not within the, the derech of yados, that therefore there should be some level of disconnect or despair or detachment. Chas v'sholem, says Rav Kook. Rather, you have to make sure to keep those bonds strong, to keep the relationship strong. He says, furthermore, we believe that most children, especially nowadays, he's talking about the early 1900s, they're a nuisance. This is not based on philosophical inquiry and coming up with a different idea or worldview. People are swept away by what's exciting, by what seems to be meaningful at the time. And he says, however you should know, yesh mikol eila achris v'tikva. There's hope. Just because your child now happens to be in a very different place than you are emotionally and religiously, yesh tikva. Why is there hope? Because haneshama hapanim shel kedushas Yisrael mistereres bekerev libam. Because that sanctity of neshama that we find within all of Klal Yisrael is within them. Bekama midos tovos hanimsos behem. And we could see that radiance of the neshama through many of the qualities they possess. Because you have to believe me that the Kedusha is always there. Therefore, you could also have a sense of confidence. Ka'asher zerem hazman yishapech. When this particular trend, when the storm of the time will subside, it could very well be people will see the mistake that they once believed in. What's the difference between someone who's ultra-liberal and someone who's somewhat more conservative? About 20 years. Just give yourself some time to live life a little bit. And that's how you slowly make your way back to more of a central view. I never discuss politics, but it's a good line. <laughs> so says Rev Cook, he says, trust me, the Kedusha is there, and you have to give it time, you have to give them space, but the hope is there as well. And you should know, when you speak to your child, we have a covenant. We have a promise from HaKadosh Baruch Hu and Chazal that when you speak words that come from the heart, they enter the heart. They're, they're receptive because the Kedusha of the Yiddish Neshama is there and it's alive and it's vibrant. Ha'ikr, then he writes something so prophetic. He was obviously speaking to his time and what was happening in the world, but we see it, we see it right here and right now. He says... Right now, if you could inspire the younger generation, even those who are not connected with Yiddishkeit, with Torah, with Amuna, but you could instill with them an avas ha'am, a love and a pride of the nation, a nation asher menu chotzevo, that they themselves come from, velo yishku bidimyonos, and they should not be led astray to mistakenly think don't allow them to feel that, you know what, I could have a very purposeful and meaningful existence within the non-Jewish world, and they'll embrace me fully. Because, says Rav Kook, that might be true for the moment, however, as we've seen throughout history, and as we see with our own eyes today. 
In a time of difficulty, in a, in a time of distress, the people who you thought were your friends will rejoice in your downfall. They should never believe they're going to find their purpose in the outside world. Rather, continue to inspire them that they're part of Am Yisrael. And through that awakening that they will feel through the love of the nation and the pride they have of being Jewish, that will ignite that connection to Kedusha and to the Torah that right now is somewhat buried within that neshama. It's an amazing revelation to see as we've spoken about you know, for the past many weeks the incredible achtos and the ruach hachuva speaking to people on the front lines of Kiruv who are, who are standing in awe of young men coming in to put on tefillin. They've never put on tefillin in their lives. They've never come to a class before because I don't have that much of an interest. I've never kept an entire Shabbos because why would I try? It's just so off my radar. What is it that's awakening people that don't have much of a connection to the religious aspect of, of Yadus? There's a sense of pride, there's a sense of connection that's starting from a very basic fundamental point. We're all part of Klal Yisrael. Amcha kulonu! And from that, it ignites the Kedusha within them, and that brings them to real purpose, to real meaning. To stop just by waving a flag and feeling proud to be part of Am Yisrael without taking a step closer to a Kaddish Baruch Hu, all that inspiration would not be achieving its purpose. But what we're seeing with our own eyes is a Ruach HaTshuva. We're seeing the spirit of return that's coming from a sense of, yes, we are all one, we're all part of Klal Yisrael. And so much of the unity that we're experiencing is based on, given our present situation, it is so much easier just to see the good in others. Not to look at any of the, the superficialities that create those, those strange boundaries between us. Where we're feeling that right now. That was the Midah of Avram Avinu. That's why he had a difficult time seeing the Ra within Yishmol. And although in that particular case, Sari Menu was correct, but the quality, the Midah of Avram was definitely correct as well. Something we strive for. Look for the good in others around us. Look for the good within ourselves. And by doing so, we will bring others to tshuva and we bring ourselves closer to a Kaddish Baruch Hu. Shkoyach. Shkoyach.